Hello and welcome to Captivated Audience. My name is Marie Lundberg and joined as always by my good friend and professional colleague, Samantha Sheen. On today's podcast, we have a special guest from a very small jurisdiction, Tim Andrews. Welcome. Tim, just to start off, can you tell people a little about what your professional background is and where you're currently working? Hello, Tim Andrews. I am by background an accountant and I got involved in technology principally with the aim of making processes more efficient. That was what excited me. And I fell into living in Guernsey. I fell into the fund administration industry, began to to learn a little bit about how it all worked. Tim, tell us a little bit about how it suddenly occurred to you there is a need for what your business does, because it's, it's really interesting how you got to where you are today. I've hung around uh, in the industry for a while. It was very evident that the KYC process consumed a lot of man hours and uh, effort and money, that it was relatively uncontrollable. And so it needed a solution, ideally uh, focused on technology. So tell me, Tim, the ID register, you are placed out of Guernsey, but you do also have an office in Ireland, right? Yes, that's right. We have an office in Guernsey and an office in Ireland. Our market is global. We could be anywhere. And Guernsey is a fantastic jurisdiction because uh, it has a very clear regulatory standard and it also has a workforce who are very clued up with what our clients expect uh, and who our clients are. So it's a great base, but very much this is a global problem and the ID register uh, seeks, seeks to be a solution available for everybody everywhere. So tell me more about that because you cater to the private fund market, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, we cater principally to the, to the private funds uh, section. I think one of the, the difficulties that a lot of utilities have is defining their market too broadly. Uh, At the end of the day, the principal benefit of a utility concept is that the investor is able to use their uh, signed off profile anywhere across the industry. Equally for fund managers, they're looking to have as many of their investors as possible already on the platform. uh, So there's maximum benefit for them as well. So therefore, it's quite important to define your market quite clearly, uh, and that's, that's what we've done. As a result of that, we're seeing roughly 40% of uh, investors in any given new fund will have some kind of profile on the ID register already, and that's fantastic. It shows the degree of interlinking there is in this industry. Can you talk a little bit about the type of KYC that you do and why that's relevant to making an investor's investment journey a lot easier? Yes. The core concept behind the RD register is that uh, investors can create a single profile for free. We uh, ask a lot of the questions that anybody who has ever filled out our KYC questionnaire will have been asked time and time again. We ask for the similar authentication documents and evidence. We screen through the same screening channels as, as anybody else. But to some extent, we, we, we seek to do it once, one, one and done. That therefore allows uh, investors, once they are signed off, to use that profile uh, widely over uh, the rest of the private funds industry and beyond. So you tell us uh, it's, it's a platform and I do know that the clients then upload and authenticate the documents needed for the KYC process. 
Yes, that's right. In exactly the same way as you would do with a pen. It's absolutely crazy that in this day and age, in the vast majority of our industry, as well as all others, we're still relying on thousands of year old technology of paper and pen. And then in some jurisdictions, uh, we're even relying on concepts that date from when people couldn't read or sign their name and have to go to your your local notary or, or lawyer or whatever to sign up for you. All of these things need to move into the digital arena and in fact by going digital it solves helps to solve a number of problems to do with information security uh, the verification of the information that you receive privacy and uh, the reconciliation with gdpr that really make the current analog paper-based system not fit for purpose I'm guessing non-face-to-face is really what we are talking about here, right? And we're talking about documents provided, not in wet ink, but then again, electronically. Yeah, if you think about it, everyone has got this amazing fascination with paper. So if I'm an institutional investor, maybe a pension fund, uh, and I am taking a document that has been produced in Microsoft Word, and I am printing it out of a printer, and I am then uh, signing it with a pen, and then I'm sending it in the post through to uh, whoever is requesting the KYC. That's open to all sorts of privacy and uh, security challenges. With ID Register, the same document produced in Microsoft Word, signed digitally, is then able to be uploaded onto the ID Register. When it's certified, which we do digitally on the site, we then lock it down with a PKI certificate, a digital certificate, which means that we can demonstrate that it has not been altered from the time when uh, it was it was certified. Not only that, but it's obviously uh, much more secure and private, uh, in particularly in these days of enhanced focus on data privacy. High-risk customers, non-face-to-face, digitally signed, that could make a base for a higher risk of fraudulent documents, right? Uh, as opposed to a paper paper version where you can go onto the internet, get a bank statement from any given bank of your choice, and then sign it with anybody's name and send it through the post. I think the point is that it's possible either digitally or uh, or on paper. What's quite important is looking at each profile holistically. And the huge benefit that being a digitally native platform has is that we're able to bring together information from lots of different sources, as well as documents, to present a whole picture, not only of the vehicle making the investment, but of the beneficial ownership chain, which can often be extremely complicated for an institution. So, Tim, the European Banking Federation issued a report entitled Blueprint on how EU AML legislation could be better harmonized. One of the things it references is a desperate need to make AML regulation technologically agnostic. How do you see the regulations aligning to our ability to to really embrace utilities and other eKYC possibilities? Well, that's a question that we're asked quite quite a lot. And I think that actually the fourth and fifth uh, AML directives are relatively agnostic if you read them with an open mind. They don't specify that you have to have a magical piece of paper. They don't specify that you can't use technology. In Guernsey, the Guernsey Financial Services Commission have actually been exceedingly helpful 
in setting out in quite a lot of detail how a regulated firm can assess the proper use of technology within uh, its KYC process. So that kind of level of detail in how to select the technology that one uses and then how to uh, monitor it on an ongoing basis, oversight it, could be one area where the fourth and fifth money laundering directives could continue to improve. But I think as you look across, one of the things we had to do with ID Register in the very beginning was to look across the handbooks and governing legislation across all principal funds jurisdictions, uh, Luxembourg, Cayman, Mauritius, uh, the UK, the US, Guernsey and Jersey, for example. Uh, And then to look at how the key elements of AML were dealt with across each of the different jurisdictions. And we then took a highest common denominator approach to each of these, informing how our platform was put together and the policy that we applied. I think that what we've seen in doing that exercise was actually how principles-based the whole thing is uh, and how common a lot of the language is between different handbooks and jurisdictions. For example, a number of the clauses in the fourth money laundering directive are actually lifted directly from uh, Luxembourg domestic legislation. So it's very clear that if you want to use technology, even under the uh, existing legislation, it's perfectly possible within the uh, principles-based legislation that we, we have today. I think what tends to happen is that individual regulated firms tend to have a policy which has been developed over time uh, Uh, and with which they feel comfortable. And so therefore you have relatively risk-averse compliance and AML departments holding tight to a policy that, quite frankly, in a lot of cases, is holding the rest of the organization back. So coming back to your platform, Tim, you were talking about the AML legislation and then you're talking about the KYC as well as part of that. Your platform also caters to different other acronyms, right? The FATCA and CRS in particular? Yeah, that's right. So when an investor invests uh, into into a fund, they fundamentally have to do three things. They have to prove that they have enough money and are a qualified investor to invest into the fund. Then they need to prove that they are who they say they are, which is the KYC. And then finally, they need to prove that they are open to paying their taxes and declaring their worldwide income and assets. And that's FATCA and CRS. So we've brought these three things together because fundamentally they rely on the same data points. Name address tax ID form covers all three of these services and more. And what we are, we are finding, particularly larger scale fund managers are increasingly starting to do is to try and automate these three different processes that are quite often dealt with in a silo structure. And so therefore the investor investing into one fund can often be asked for the name, address and tax ID three times by the same fund manager. And if you then have two or 300 allocations to private funds in your portfolio, then you're being asked 600 times for your name, address and tax ID. And then you're asked to reconfirm that information on an ongoing basis. It's crazy. In our personal lives, we all use LinkedIn, Facebook, and some similar platforms. The ID register applies exactly these same processes to uh, onboarding process in its widest sense, covering uh, fund subscription, KYC, and FATCA CRS. You mentioned data. I'm coming back to that's one of my other favorite words when we talk about these topics. One of our earlier podcasters talked about the need for 
the data to be squeaky clean, as he, as he mentioned it. What's your take on, on that? Because I can only imagine, as you were saying, people entering the same type of information. There's typos. There might be a different variations of it. And this is actually a good way to, to stop that, right? Yeah. Look, with all of this stuff, uh, it's exactly the same as the difference between running your own personal email server and going into the Microsoft Cloud. If you're doing anything in one place at scale, you can invest in it. Uh, you can put in place the validation to make sure that your your TIN, for example, your US tax ID is correct. You can make sure that your GIN, your global intermediate identification number is correct and is following the right format. You can make sure that the address is tailored to different jurisdictions, uh, where zip code, for example, doesn't apply worldwide. So there are all these things that are much more economic and simple to do at, at scale. Similarly, when standards update, as they often do, uh, then you can look at how that applies across the entirety of your data set very quickly. Uh, whereas if you're keeping this information on spreadsheets and bits of paper and PDF, it's an almost impossible exercise. So it really is uh, managing a large data set and encouraging investors to uh, update that information uh, as frequently as necessary to ensure that uh, all fund managers continue to have the most accurate and up-to-date and complete data set as possible. Tim, before we end off this podcast, I'm sure you know there have been a limited number of success stories around utilities, and more often than not, we hear about the failures or the non-completes, the ones that don't seem to get off the ground. What do you think you did differently that's allowed you to be around since 2013, 2014? What do you think your organization has done right? Well, we've certainly done a lot of things wrong, and it's certainly very much a work in progress. But we have a number of things going for us. The first is that we are genuine industry insiders. We're not technologists coming to preach, preach the gospel of technology. We're looking to solve a real problem that real people in our industry face. We also uh, were incubated within a, a fund administration business, which gave us an immediate launch pad of clients, which is, is extremely important. You need somebody to pay the bills while you continue to invest in better and better and better technology as time goes by. Uh, it's also very important that it's a bit like the chicken and egg. You need to have a client base in order to get a client base. And you can have the best algorithm in the world, but if you don't have any clients already using it, you're snookered. Because of where we came from and the fact that we have previously experienced the pain that our clients uh, were, were facing, then it really helped us to adopt uh, the right approach. On an ongoing basis, it's extremely important that we are a uh, neutral industry-centric platform uh, without ties to any one major player. We've seen a number of utilities fail because they've been perceived uh, rightly or wrongly as being overly tied to a software house or to a bank or to uh, some, some other major player. We've also seen some fail because they've taken an overly technological approach to solving the problem. And the ID register, I'll be the very first person to admit, is not high complex technology requiring you to believe in an algorithm. It's a very simple approach uh, that 
uh, done well that most of its users will have been familiar with for, for many, many years. And I guess the third element is that you actually need to understand the problem that your clients are looking to solve. Clients are not looking to solve KYC in isolation. This is valuable data that needs to go upstream into, into your marketing and your, your uh, sales force, uh, uh, for example. Equally, it can go downstream to help your investor reporting and then the tax process at the very end uh, of, the, of, of the investor lifecycle. From a regulatory point of view, it's also very important that clients are able to rely and place reliance to uh, as large an extent as possible on uh, the work that we do. Uh, and that means working within existing legislation, uh, not waiting for some nirvana moment when uh, regulators and authorities around the world will suddenly recognize the utility concept. Well, Tim, on behalf of Marie and myself, thank you so much for taking the time. And it's, it's great to catch up with you after not being in Guernsey for so many years. Thanks again. No worries. And if you'd like to take part in one of our future podcasts or share with us some of your ideas for future topics, feel free to reach out on our Captivated Audience website, captivatedaudience.eu, or drop us a line on LinkedIn. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.